You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you right across Australia from Hobart, Tasmania. Today we have Gary Webster in the studio. Morning, Welcome, Jason. Gary. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. And uh, today we'll be continuing your series, Lifetime Search. And uh, we look forward to your topic today, Jerusalem and Pompeii, Global Warnings. So... I'm I'm keen to learn what you've got to to share with us uh, today, Gary. Now, just before we get into it, Gary, um, you're an archaeologist, uh, a pastor. You've travelled to a lot of different places. I'm I'm interested to know what's your favourite. Oh, Jason, I have many favourites. <laughs> I, I I love travelling to to different places because you meet different people. People is what makes travel actually. Um, you know, I've been to Iran. There's super friendly people there. Asian, Asia, the people are so uh, respectful, you know. And then middle, many Middle Eastern countries. Love going to Egypt too. Egypt's a fascinating place. It's got a mystique about it. And of course, Jerusalem is. Ah, uh, you go to some of these places, and it takes you back, uh, back uh, in time. Uh, I think probably one of my favourite places is where we're going today, Jason. Pompeii. Uh-huh. It's a huge ancient city that we'll talk about, but it's a fascinating place. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into that shortly. Um, I'll just remind our listeners, we have our Tassie Encounters show number. That's a mobile text number that you can message in. You can ask questions, you can give us feedback, um, and you can take advantage of the offers that uh, we mention as well. So our show number is 0488 880891. That's 0488880891. Save that in your phone or write it down with the title Tassie Encounters. That's our show number. So just remember that if you're also connecting with other Faith FM programs, make sure you use the number for their program as well. Now, uh, we've uh, had some many episodes. We're on our sixth episode today, Gary, for Mm. for your series. Um, I'll just remind our listeners they can actually get the past episodes off the Faith FM website. You can go there, search for or find the... um, the uh, programs area and uh, Tassie Encounters, and you'll find all of our past episodes on there, and you can catch up. But uh, do you want to just give us a brief review of our last program before we get into the first one? Yes, you'll remember the last program we went to Iraq, and we saw this incredible uh, dream that an ancient king had that they've discovered lots of evidence for him in, in, in the ancient records of the past archaeology, King Nebuchadnezzar, that great dream which took us right down to the very times in which we're living, you'll recall. Yeah, yeah. So we want, we want to pick up that end times section now, uh, partly, but we're going to go back in history 2,000 years as well. Okay, well, I think it's time to get into it, Gary. Okay. Well, Jason, Pompeii is a fascinating, a huge place you can visit today in Italy, south of Rome. Uh, the story that we want to pick up goes back to about 79 AD. Back in those times, they had homes with running water, some of them, piped water. Uh, you could go down to the forum or the marketplace there and do your shopping. The uh, you, people could go to the wool merchants. They've even found the bakeries of this place. By the way, Jason, um, they even had fast foods back in those days. You see these little corner stores, yeah. you know, Macca's on the run sort of thing. Yeah. Really fascinating. Like uh, they have in in many cities, the, the little food carts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, they had lots of those down there. Then you could also go to the, the theatre to watch your favourite drama, your actors. And if you're more sporty, go down to the, the, uh, the sports arena and watch the gladiators beat each other to death. That was... That that was, that was the fun of the Romans. Incredible it doesn't one sound like fun to it's me, not Gary. Fun, not at all. Not if you're a gladiator or, no. you know, but that was, that was their, 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 their way of life. It's, you know, terrible when you think about it, watching people kill each other. Mm. And then you could relax in the bathhouse. You know, they had warm baths, cold baths, and 
in the middle of temperature, a fascinating place. And some people, of course, would visit other places at night time, the brothels. They found the brothels down there in Pompeii. In fact, you know, someone had scrawled on one of the walls of the homes of Pompeii, Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. So that that's the uh, the old uh, story of the old city in, exactly. in the Bible in Abraham's time, exactly. or, or Lot's time, wasn't it? Yeah, and because they found that graffiti on one of the walls, they realised there must be some Jews living in uh, in Pompeii. Right. It was a city given to pleasure. To to it was a it was a holiday city, and uh, there was you know some of the art that we find on the walls of Pompeii or that was discovered. We couldn't even talk about it was you know pornographic for sure, mm. um, but. They had their temples as well. You know, you needed enough um, religion to keep your conscience sort of clear, I suppose. But religion never affected their way of life because they, in you know, ancient times they had temple prostitutes. They had the works. You know, really terrible when you think about what went on in some of the places of worship in the temples of the of the ancient people. Sometimes, but always in the background, Jason, there was this volcano, or at least a sleeping volcano, we could call it. Mm. Had, hadn't erupted for about seven or eight hundred years. Um, but in 62 AD, Mount Vesuvius started to rumble. It caused an earthquake, uh, destroyed much of the city. But the people, you know, carried on business as usual, built up parts of the city. They didn't get it all finished, but they were building it up. When in AD 79, Mount Vesuvius started to rumble yet again. People went about business as usual. And finally, on August the 24, AD 79, Mount Vesuvius blew its top and it rained red hot pumice on the city for three days and just buried the city. And for the last couple of hundred years, archaeologists have been excavating this massive city and uh, digging up the, um, the, the remnants of a store of a city that failed to heed the warning signs. They discovered the bodies while well, they were decomposed, but like a, there was like bubbles in the ground, and they realised, oh, this is the, the decomposed, what, you know, the bodies have decomposed mm. and left the shape of the body. So it was hot ash that actually hot, yes. dumped on the city exactly. and sort of and buried, buried the city. Yeah, little stones and buried yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and so, but it was, a, it was a city that reminds us that we need to heed the warning signs. You know, they had many signs for a number of years, but they failed. They just went about life as usual, business as usual. Mm. Which brings us to some interesting predictions, uh, Jason, today. When we go back to the city of Jerusalem now, 2,000 years ago, Herod the Great was a great builder in, uh, in, in Israel at this time. He was the sort of the king in Palestine back around the time of Jesus. Now, Herod... We have many structures that he left behind down at Caesarea. He built a city down there. You can see his palace, what's left of it today. He had a number of fortresses around Israel that you can visit, Masada, Macarius in Jordan on the other side of Jordan, And uh, because I guess Herod had many enemies. We know that. He was a, he was a, in fact, you know, Caesar Augustus once said, and, he, and Caesar and him were good friends, he said, it's better to be, it's better to be Herod's uh, pig than his son. Wow. He, he killed his own family, you know, just, a, just a, a bit of a maniac. But it was him who rebuilt the Jewish temple for them. He wanted to curry favour with the Jews, and so he b- rebuilt their temple. Yeah. And that's the temple that Jesus the Christ came to back 2,000 years ago. We, we, we so know was, this, the was that the third time the temple was built? Yeah, well, they had a movable one in Moses' time. Then yeah. Solomon built one. That was destroyed by the Babylonians who we yeah. talked about last week. And then this one was then one was built after about you know seventy or eighty years after they came back, or when they came back after seventy years, uh, that one was rebuilt by Herod the Great. He built over the top of it while it was still in use and pulled okay. the old one down. Right. So Herod the Great builds this temple. Well, one day Jesus' followers uh, took him on a little ticky tour of the temple, 
show him all the stuff around the place. And he said this to them. He said, truly I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Matthew 24, 2. You can imagine those disciples. Come on, wait a minute. This is one of the great wonders of the world. It was. This, mm. The temple of, of the Jews was, was considered just a fantastic place. And so when Jesus... You know, went back to up top, top of the Mount of Olives, which overlooks Jerusalem. These disciples of his, they came to him and they said, "Tell us, when will these things be? When's this going to happen that the temple is going to be destroyed like this?" Mm. And so Jesus then uh, outlined three areas of predictions concerning Jerusalem, uh, the temple, and the Jewish nation. Uh, first of all, he said, "Look, Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by an embankment or a rampart, a wall." And it's going to be destroyed. We, we read that in uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 41 to 44. Maybe you could actually read that for us, Jason. Yeah, sure. It says, He saw the city and wept over it, saying, Your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. So there it is. Um, that's uh, Luke 19, 41 to 44. You read those that yeah. prediction. Then he said the temple would be totally destroyed. We just read a moment ago, not one stone will be left upon another. Now, that's an amazing prediction because I've been to Jerusalem and seen some of the stones that made up the Temple Mount. And these are not the temple stones, but the retaining wall on which the temple was built. Some of these are 20 metres long, 2 metres wide, 3 metres high. They're massive. Mm. Uh, incredible. So, so I'm not saying all the stones were that big, but there were some massive stones in this temple and not one was going to be uh, left upon another, Jesus predicted. Then he mm. said that the Jews would fall by the sword. Um, uh, we just read that a moment ago too. Uh, he said that the Jews would be scattered among the nations. And finally he said the Gentiles or the non-Jews would inhabit Jerusalem. We read that. Let me read it for you in Luke twenty-one twenty-four. In fact, you can read it, Jason. Uh, Luke twenty-one twenty-four. It says, They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, Jesus predicted that, that in 31 AD. Uh, so what do we find? Were these predictions fulfilled? Well, that's what we need to find out, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Well, let's have a look. Let me just share you quickly what they discovered. First of all, in 66 AD, that's about 35 years later, um, Gessius Florus, who was in charge of Jerusalem, decided to take a temple tax from the Jews, and they said nothing doing. And they revolted against Gessius Florus, the Roman, and his garrison, and they, they, they massacred them. Right. And now the Jews had control of the city of Jerusalem for the first time for many years. Well, the Romans weren't going to take that sitting down, Jason, so they sent down a guy called Cestius Gallus with a whole bunch of soldiers, and um, they surrounded the city. And right here we should remember a warning that Jesus had given back at the time when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives making these predictions. He said this to his followers, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies... Then let them which are in the midst of it depart out. So it's a warning to get out. Exactly. Yeah. Now, here's a question. How do you flee a city when it's surrounded? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. Yeah, well, I've, I've thought about it, but, but let, me, let me show you what happened. Let me uh, tell you what happened. Cestius Gallus had the city on the ropes. He, he was about to destroy it when suddenly he mysteriously withdrew. Asterians don't know why. Why did he do that? Yeah. He, he was sort of about to, to crush this rebellion and he withdrew. Well, the Jews saw this and they took off after him and his Roman soldiers and they, they actually defeated them outside the city. Now, the Christians living in the city at this time remember Jesus' prediction and his warning. And they got out. And they got out. Right. And they fled over to a city in, in um, 
in Jordan today called Pella. In fact, the Australian, the Sydney uh, University has been digging up Pella for many years, and so you can see the, the uh, remains of that city that they've been excavating in Jordan. Well, Vespasian was sent now to, to put down this rebellion, uh, and so he, he attacks the, the cities around Jerusalem, and then Nero dies, the Emperor Nero died, and Vespasian became the Emperor. So he goes back to Rome, and he puts his son in charge of this uh, this this fight against the Jews. So Titus, his son, besieges the city. How does he do it? Well, he builds a five-mile embankment around the city of Jerusalem. Uh-huh. So that's the uh, embankment that's that was That's the embankment. About. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus predicted that some 40 years before. And, of course, they were starving the Jews out. No one could get in with food. No one could get out to, to escape. Wow. Josephus, the Jewish historian back at the same time, he was an historian at that time, he says about a million Jews perished in the siege. Incredible slaughter. It was terrible. You don't, you know, the, the account of the slaughter that took place by the Romans against the Jews is, is terrible. But it fulfilled Jesus' prediction. They will fall by the sword. Now, the Jews' last stand was in the temple, by the way, because that was the symbol of nationalism. Mm. The Romans finally got to there. There was a big fight. Titus had said, don't destroy the temple. It's one of the most spectacular buildings, so don't destroy it. But someone threw a firebrand in the, in the fighting, and the whole thing went up in smoke. And the, when the fires had gone out, the Romans, to get the gold and the silver from the temple that had melted when the fire took place and ran down between the cracks, they tore all the stones off each other, and uh, not one was left upon another. In fact, you go to Jerusalem today, and you can see the stones that are thrown down from the top of the Temple Mount. The archaeologists have found you know, the remains of all the stuff the Romans threw down on the ground. And, of course, to this day, the, there's no Jewish temple in that location, no, is exactly. there? exactly. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's the case. In fact, you see Islamic structures, there, mm-hmm. but they were there from 700 AD, some 700 years yeah. later. Yeah. And the whole area is flat as a pancake. Yeah, uh, the temple's completely gone. If you go, if any of our listeners ever go to Rome, you can go to the 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 Roman Forum and look at the Arch of Titus, and underneath you'll see the Romans carrying away the seven branched candlestick from the temple. Then this is Titus's great victory arch. So, Jason, you know when you think about this. Oh, by the way, about a hundred, about uh, was well, sixty, seventy years. Uh, no, it would be forty. That's seventy, eighty, sixty years later. Sorry, sixty years later, the Jews revolted yet again. The ones who were left. against Hadrian, and so he said enough is enough, and he drove them out of Palestine. And today the Jews are scattered around the world. There are more Jews living today in the great cities like Moscow, New York, London, than there are in Palestine itself. Mm. Jesus was absolutely correct. Uh, You know, they have been scattered around the world, and that's a, a known fact today. Finally, if you ever go to Jerusalem, you will find that there are four sections in Jerusalem, four quarters, the Armenian quarter, the Christian quarter, the Muslim quarter, all of those are non-Jews. There's one section for the Jewish people. Jerusalem is trodden down by the Gentiles. In other words, Jason, those five predictions Jesus made have all been precisely fulfilled, and archaeology bears that that out. It's incredible when you think about it. The Bible is historically true, accurate, and uh, definitely reliable. So... um so there's more to this. Uh, yeah, well, Christ hasn't chapter. finished. Christ yeah. hasn't finished yet because the question was, tell us when will these things happen? The destruction of Jerusalem. But they asked another question: What will be the sign of your coming in the yeah, end? Well, the we'll signs. pick that up yeah. later on. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's go to a break and uh, we're going to have a look at or listen to our first song today. It's called. It's actually based on Revelation 19, or that's what the title is called. Um, it's a different sort of style song, a bluegrass style song, but I think it's really relevant to today's topic. And uh, let's have a listen to this. This is by the Forbes family. 
The signs of the times are everywhere. The spoken word of Jesus fills the air. Wars and rumors on them all this night and day. Do not be dismayed. He's coming back someday. Children, Jesus said, Come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. But their little lives are taken, fearing not the Holy One. But hear me when I say, Judgment's on the way. He'll ride on the cloud to take his bride away. Triumphantly the church will see Jesus any day The things as we know them will soon pass away Will soon pass away So what do you think of that song, Gary? Beautiful. Right on course for where we're going to head, head right now, Jason. Yeah, awesome. So uh, I'll just remind our listeners, later in the program we'll give you a bit more detail, but we do have an offer that's coming up. It's going to be uh, a detailed resume of today's program, Global Warnings from Jerusalem and Pompeii. And uh, Gary, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but the, the number to get that is 488 now, Gary, we got to the section where we're waiting for what will be the signs of his coming and the end of the world. And the end of the world. So what we saw in our first section, Jason, was the predictions of Jesus that he made concerning the city of Jerusalem back 2,000 years ago were absolutely exactly fulfilled. So we can trust what he's going to say next about the signs of his coming and the end of the world. Yeah. In fact, they what we're going to see, these almost you'd almost think you were picking this out of the Sydney Morning Herald or some other newspaper or nightly news TV, you know, because he was so precise. We're actually going to see that we're on the edge of 
the end from Jesus' own predictions. I want to warn our listeners, Jesus doesn't pull any punches. However, he does end with an, a great horizon of hope, and I think that's very important. So let's go to the first. He gave about four areas of signs, Jason, of what's going to be happening. The first one was signs in the natural world he talked about. Earthquakes, he said there will be earthquakes in various places in Matthew 24, verse 7. You know, Jason, earthquakes are actually increasing in the, the, the number and the intensity. Let me just give you some statistics. The first 10 years of the 20th century, last century, there were 18 recorded quakes over six in the last 10 years of that century, there were 42 earthquakes over six on the Richter scale. This century, in the f- first um, 10 years, we've had 217 quakes over seven. Wow. So we're not, we're not talking about lower, um, you know, less minor, minor quakes. Earthquake. We're, we're talking more major yes, quakes. greater earthquakes. And, and a greater number. So that's incredibly, uh, yeah, that's been fulfilled. Then there's famines. He said there will be famines. Matthew 24, verse 7. Do you know 25,000 people, Jason, die daily from hunger in our world? That's terrible, mm, isn't it? It is. 10,000 of those are children. Mm. One every three-something seconds, 0.16 seconds, a person dies of hunger. That's a, it's a terrible thing. 854-plus uh, million people are undernourished in our world. That's nearly a billion people. Mm. We're the lucky ones down under, aren't we? Yeah. He also talked about things like cyclones, tsunamis, and floods. He said in in Luke twenty one twenty five, there will be distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Mm. I guess Jason, most of our listeners have not got those haunting pictures of those huge tidal waves washing over Southeast Asia. Back in what yeah, was two thousand four, I, I remember that time very clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this is a fulfilment of those predictions. That, mm. and uh, in fact, you know, Jason, what's interesting is Jesus indicated that nations would be anxious about such terrifying events. I travelled to many places, as we mentioned earlier. One of the places I've been to and shared these, you know, amazing prophecies from the Bible is the Cook Islands. Mm-hmm. I noticed when you go around that island of Rarotonga that there are signs all the way around the island. This is the road to take when, if there's a tsunami, all the way around the island. Yeah. Nations are, are worried about such things. I remember um, visiting Hawaii a few years ago and, and they have uh, the tsunami monitors, you know, ah, like these yes. uh, devices that are um, uh, monitoring, I guess, the wave movements and yeah. Yeah, monitoring and warning. I've been to Kiribati too. You know the highest mountain in Kiribati is three metres high? <laughs> wow. That's why you, sometimes. You wouldn't it, want a tsunami there. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> Fortunately, they don't get cyclones out there. Yeah. Um, but tsunamis, that's another story. They could happen. And is it, is Kiribati one of those, like one of the smallest yes, nations yes, on the planet? There yeah. is. In fact, they've been talking about bringing the people off for the, the danger of tsunamis, you know, yeah. bringing them to Australia or someplace. Yeah. Lovely place and lovely people out there, but more, I don't want to, don't know that I'd want to be there when a tsunami came. No. Uh, Jesus also talked, Jason, about pestilences or the super germs, the super bugs. He said there will be pestilences. Yeah. Now, of course, we know all about that, don't we? We've had Ebola. Certainly recently. The virus, <laughs> SARS, you know, bird flu, swine flu. And of course, now we've got COVID-19. Do you know, Jason, actually, there's 173 million people have been infected by that around the world. Yeah, that's incredible. With about 3.72 million people, I noticed last night who have died of this. We know these things well, don't we? Mm. Jesus gave another group of signs. Uh, this is signs from the political world. So those were signs in the natural world. Signs in the political world said, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. 
One of the most shocking statistics is this, that we have 30 to 40 wars every year. We've had that for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, something like that. Mm. 30 to 40 wars. We spend $268 million on war every hour. In our world, unbelievable. Uh, Imagine if we uh, spent that on better causes, eh? Well, exactly. You know, in fact, we spend eighty times more on war than is needed for water and sanitation in the world. Mm. We, our priorities, sadly, are are askew there. We have thirteen thousand three hundred and fifty-five nuclear bombs in stock. Mm. That's enough to do us all over once or twice, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, of course, the nations fear nuclear conflict. We know all about, you know, North Korea and Iran and Israel, the conflicts there. And, of course, even terrorists, they fear that they may get what they call a dirty bomb and they don't care if they go up with it, do they? Mm. You know, Jesus put it this way. He said all these, the signs in nature and and the political world, he said these are the beginning of birth pains. In other words... Uh, when, a, when the contractions start, you know something's going to take place down the track. The child's going to be born. Let's go to signs in the social world, yeah. the world of, of, of human relationships. Jesus put it this way. He says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Mm. That's, a, that's a phenomenal prediction when you think about it. Because, in fact, Jesus' friend Paul he wrote this, he said that in the last days perilous times will come. He said actually specifically the last days men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Now, that's enough, isn't it? <laughs> but he got it right. That's yeah. the point. He predicted that 2,000 years ago. That's in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Mm. And we think about violence, Justin, Jason. Um, one of the, so that our listeners might be able to see that things are changing, these are the top problems in schools back in the 1940s. Let me, let, let me share you the top problems. Talking in class, tut tut. Chewing gum, making a noise, running in the halls, cutting in line, not wearing your school uniform and throwing paper around the classroom. That was the top problems in the 1940s. Let's wind it on 60 years, the 2000s. These are the top problems in schools. Drug use, alcohol abuse, Pregnancy, suicide, tragically among kids, rape, robbery, assault. You'd think you're on another planet. Yeah. It's tragic. Totally different. And, of course, there's obviously a reason for that, I think, but... Yes, yeah. there, there are reasons. Jason, mm. that, and I think you've hit something. We'll come to that as the mm. last sign. The further we move from God, the more we mistreat each other. That's it. That's the sad thing. When, yeah. when we turn away from God, um, like our world is sadly doing, then we will not treat each other in the right way. Mm. You know, one of the most shocking statistics that illustrate what Jesus said, that the love of many would grow cold, is this statistic. In Australia, one in four boys... Sorry, one in six boys and one in four girls are sexually abused before the age of 18. That's not yeah. love in anyone's language, that, is it? That's a, that's a terrible statistic. And, you know, we, we hear of this and it's, it's heartbreaking, really. It is it? heartbreaking, yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. Look, Justin, uh, we've seen just how right Jesus was, but also, you know, it seems like gloom and doom when you first, uh, you know, think about this. But he's not finished yet. He's not. He's and not. And after the next song, um, he shares the greatest sign, which is a, a tremendous sign of hope and what to do about stuff. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's easy to get bogged down in all the negative. So sometimes we need some positive and we need yeah, some exactly. hope. But it, has, it, but it does us good to be realistic. It does, yeah. I want to bury yeah. our head in the sand. No, there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, you know problematic stuff going on in our world. 
Um, let's have a listen to this song. This is a song of hope, and uh, it's uh, by Ellie Holcomb. got this hope and it's a good thing gary when uh, we look at the world around us it's, exactly. it's not a great place in some places and, and thank uh, god for hope eh? yeah we're very fortunate to live in tassie here eh? we are yes tassie encounters we you're listening to tassie encounters with uh, gary webster on our program lifetime search now gary we were talking about the signs of the end yes. and jesus predictions and we've uh, seen that uh, that his words have really come true and uh, where are we going now well we've had we've looked at signs from the natural world signs from the political world and signs from the social world the world of interactions among humans you know jason before we go to the next one um, Jesus gave these for a very good reason. You might remember last week we were looking at what's the purpose of prophecy, and it is that so that we can believe. 
we can trust God's word and we can turn to him for for hope. Yeah. I I was sharing these these prophecies this particular one here that we're looking at today in Fiji in Suva uh, in uh, in the civic center there and a young Hindu girl was coming a young Hindu woman was coming this prophecy really gripped her she said wow you know this is what's going to happen I can see that and so she turned to God it was amazing to see that she is actually now living in New Zealand as a is a, is a minister of the gospel uh, she's uh, shares Jesus with people. Yeah, that's mm. awesome. So let's go to the fourth area of signs, Jason. Signs in the religious world. Yeah, uh, he talked about religious cults as we near the end. He said there'll be false Christs and false prophets. Uh, he said they're going to rise. Now we've had our fair share of those over the years, haven't we? Yep. Jewish messiahs and Christian Christs and so on. We've had Jim Jones cult where some what was it nine hundred people committed suicide there in Guyana. We've had David Koresh at the Wacko cult in Texas there. We've got Menachem Schneerson, a Jewish messiah. Many different messiahs have arisen. Jesus was quite correct. Different ones would arise and claim to be, you know, Christ. Mm. Then, of course, Jesus gave signs of, of secularism, an increase in secularism in the end of times. He said, when the Son of Man comes, when he's about to return, will he find faith on the earth? Well, of course, Jason, we live in a world where there's widespread disbelief in God and the Bible today. Absolutely. It's, no uh, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to actually have a belief. Yes, exactly. These days. Yeah. And, and three areas of disbelief are in Christ's return and in creation by God and in a global flood. Hmm. Now, Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, who was sitting with him up here on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem when he gave these warning signs, he actually made a prediction himself in, in his second letter. I wonder if you could read it for us. It's a fascinating prediction. This is Second Peter 3, 3 to 6. Now, notice what he predicts. Yeah. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For this they willingly are ignorant of, and by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the word that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. Notice he he predicts that people will scoff at the coming of Jesus, his return, that idea, what nonsense. Uh, The idea that God created the world by his speaking into existence, that's going to be scoffed at. And thirdly, that the idea of a worldwide flood. Yeah. All those things. Very now, specific. <laughs> very specific predictions. But l- l- let's stop and think about this. Up until about two or 300 years ago, almost all people believed in, for example, a creator God. Mm. No matter who you were. In fact, all Christians would have believed in a six-day creation. But today, there are very few people that believe God created because we have Darwinian evolution. Now, I'm not arguing for or against things at this point. I'm simply saying someone got a prediction pretty correct. 2,000 mm. years ago, they predicted when people believed in the creator gods and so on, that in the end of time, people wouldn't believe that God was a creator. Mm. Fascinating. Second thing, of course, people don't believe in this idea of a worldwide flood. Now, I do a lot of archaeology, and I've seen tablets of flood stories from Mesopotamia. In fact, there's some 600 flood stories around the world, but still people don't believe the world was covered with a flood. The Bible predicted this would be a, a, a there would be disbelief in that, and of course the coming of Jesus. You know, sadly, Jason, even most Christians don't believe or have very little regard for the return of Jesus Christ. 
And many Christians today, of course, are evolutionists. They don't believe in creation by God, certainly not in six days. Mm. It's phenomenal what was predicted 2,000 years ago and where we are at today. That's my point. Mm, So, Jason, look, the global warnings are all in when you think about it. He gave signs in the natural world. He gave signs in the political world. And they've been fulfilled and being fulfilled at this time. The social world, the things of human interactions and in the religious world. So what do they all mean? That's a good question. Uh, let's go to what Jesus said. Notice what he said. When you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. What is near? What is even at the doors? Well, remember that how we started his prediction. He said, tell us when will these things be, the destruction of Jerusalem. He got all that right. Yeah. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? In other words, Christ's return which marks the end of the world as we know it, is what we call the end of the world. The last empire comes from our program last week. In other words, it's about to appear. He said, when you see all these things take place, know that it is near. Now, we got everything else right. Why wouldn't he get the last little bit right, <laughs> which is what he's, he's heading for? Yeah. You know, Jason, is this gloom and doom? bite your fingernails and wring your hands type of words? It could be, depending on how you look at it. Exactly, but it sounds like that. But notice the response that Jesus wants us to have. Mm. What's his response that he wants to have? He says in Luke twenty one twenty eight, when you see these things begin to come to pass, in other words, when you see these signs taking place, he said, then look up, lift up your head. In other words, don't get down in the dumps about this. Mm. Why? For your redemption draws nigh. Now, what does he mean by redemption draws nigh? Well, I think he's got a plan that uh, is is better than we can imagine. Exactly. And you'll remember last week we talked about that plan. We looked at what the last empire is about, and we found it was this. When Christ returns and the end of the world as we, we, we know it now takes place, God is going to bring in a new world, mm. he says. And that world has no more tears no more pain, imagine that, Yeah. no more sorrow and no more death. Hmm. Imagine a world, Jason, where you don't need any hospitals and you don't need any undertakers, funeral directors. This world is going to have no death one day, no sorrow, no pain, no tears. What a world. We desperately need that today. It would be out of this world, Gary. <laughs> exactly. It would be out of this world. You're right. You know, Jason, that is a fantastic thing when you think about it. In other words, Jesus takes his disciples on a journey through time. Yeah. Now, he paints a real picture. This is not, as we said a while ago, um, you know, head in the sand stuff, being an ostrich. He paints the real picture, and we can all see that. I mean, I've had people who are non-believers say to me, I'm worried about what's going on in the world. They're really genuinely concerned. Hmm. Well, that's sensible to to look around and say, okay, what's going on? Well, Jesus outlined all the real things, and we've seen them taking place through time, but he does end with a note of hope. Hmm. And that's critical because... I mean, if all we throw is gloom and doom, who cares about that? Yeah, yeah. You know, Nobody eat, wants drink, to dwell be on merry. that. And, yeah. yeah, eat, drink, and be yeah. merry because tomorrow we don't. No, there's something mm. better coming. The best is yet to come. And that's what I love about this prediction of Jesus. He offers an horizon of hope. 
We're going to have a listen to a song uh, about uh, what's to come uh, shortly. But before we do, Gary, just uh, give our listeners a little bit more information about this uh, giveaway today. It's going to be an email giveaway. So uh, if you text us in, um, our system will ask uh, for your email. But uh, what is it that uh, we, we're giving away today? Yes, we've got a summary. Well, it's more than a summary. It's got the extra information that we couldn't share today because of time. Global warnings from Jerusalem and Pompeii, much of what we shared today, but uh, more things that they can ha- check up on. I've done research on this for many years now, and I think the, our listeners will find it invaluable to be able to see what Jesus predicted and to be able to even share it with their, with their friends to, to help them say, hey, listen, yeah. There's something better coming. So text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and I'll give you the code immediately after this song. So that's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Let's have a listen to this song Behold, Behold Revelation by Sean Carter and Caroline Cobb. Like a bride in whitest gown Purely dressed I see the pilgrims coming home All creation finds shalom The promised rest The Lamb of God The sun will have no need to shine Behold, behold God makes His home with us He'll take His throne forever glorious The curse will be Will surrender to the 
Beautiful song, Gary. Yeah, right yeah. on the track, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, before the break, we said we'd tell our listeners the code for today's resume. That's the offer, uh, an email offer, global warnings from Jerusalem and Pompeii, the detailed uh, information that Gary's prepared. And uh, the code for today is DIG4, D-I-G and the number four, no spaces. Just text that in on its own, no other words in the message, just DIG4. Text it into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. That's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And I think you'll really appreciate getting some of the extra facts and details that we couldn't uh, share everything with you today because of time. So... So, Gary, we've got uh, seven minutes to wrap up. Um, yeah, you've well, got a little bit more. Yeah, well, let's come back to Pompeii, Jason. You remember we said that on August 24, AD 79, Pompeii, uh, Mount Vesuvius erupted. Mm. You know, the people, I, I just want us to imagine what must have taken place on that day. Imagine coming down through the streets of Pompeii, business as usual, pleasure as usual, go down to the sports arenas and down to the theatres and into the business houses and so on. Some people, no doubt, would have come to the psychics because they could read, they reckon, the future in the dust pole, dust, the, the dust patterns of the bowls and basins. Mm. But they couldn't even tell what was going to come in another hour or two. Mm. And then it happened. Mount Vesuvius blew its top. You know, People rushed to try to get out of the city, um, out of the city gates. They discovered the bodies of people there who left it too late. The tragedy of not heeding the warning signs, Jason. Mm. They even found the bread down in the baker's shop, 2,000-year-old loaves of bread, but the people who came for it left it too late, and they perished in Pompeii. You imagine the, the priests in the temples, they rushed back, to get their precious idols and statues and religious paraphernalia, but they left it too late. And they perished in this city that failed to heed the warning signs. It's a tragic thing when you think of it. Imagine the house of Pansas. You can see that house. But imagine, if we could, he goes back to get some of his precious art objects. That was the most dear thing to him, but he perished in Pompeii. Mm. The tragedy of not heeding the warning signs. And we've got those warning signs that we talked about today. The natural world, the political world, the social world, and the religious world. Jesus was spot on. The question, I guess, is for us all. What do we do about it? Yeah, what do we do about it, and are we listening? Mm. Or are we just going on business as usual like the people of Pompeii? What should we do about it? Mm. Well, I think, Jason, that question is, you know, is really how can we be part of God's kingdom? How mm. can we be ready and not be taken unawares like like Jesus said, be watchful. In fact, Jesus said, this is no time for party on dude stuff. He said, you know, when you see these things t- take place, think about it. Don't, mm. don't continue on business as usual. He said, no, this is the time to, to think. I remember the story, Jason. I think all of our listeners have probably heard of the story of Jesus on the cross. Yeah, You get those pictures of the three crosses there on the Golgotha in Jerusalem. You know, at first the Bible tells us that both of those criminals that was that were crucified with Jesus both made fun of him like everybody else. Mm. The whole people at the cross were making fun. If you're the son of God, get off the cross and save yourself and save us. And come on, miracle worker man, do 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 a do a great miracle and get off the cross. They, they were making fun of him, and that included the two criminals that were crucified with him. But after a while, one of them realised that the game was up. Mm. He realised, Jason, that. He was going to die, and he wasn't ready to die. 
He must have remembered what took place that day as they walked along, you know, the city streets of Jerusalem. He remembered that Jesus had stopped to talk to some women who were crying for him. These were not believers in him, but they were just, you know, sympathetic to what was going on. And he said, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your little children, because I can see what's going to happen down the track, he said. He could see what was going to happen to Jerusalem in 70 AD. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your little children. So he must have seen. He was with Jesus as they walked the road. He must have looked up uh, when Jesus, you know, from his cross to Christ's cross and saw that sign over the top of Jesus' head, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And suddenly he realized that this man was God in human flesh who was dying on the cross Mm. next to him. And he realized that Jesus had the answers beyond the grave. And the Bible says he he turned to Jesus and, well, first of all, he he, he talked to the, the other criminal who was making fun of him and he said, aren't you afraid of God? I mean, we're in the same situation as this guy. We deserve what we're getting. Because we've, you know, we've done terrible things. But this one, this man in the middle cross, he's done nothing wrong. Aren't you afraid? And then he turned to Jesus after speaking to his friend, basically saying, we deserve what we're getting. He turned to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, Jason, I reckon you could have heard a pin drop at the cross that day. Because people must have been thinking, well, how's Jesus going to answer this guy? I mean, he's been mouthing off at him, making fun of him like everybody else. And now he's asking to be part of the kingdom. And that's the point, I think. What he's really saying, Jason, is how can I be part of that last empire Mm. with no death, no sorrow, no tears, and everything's going to be new? How can I be part of that, Jesus? Because I can see you're the king of that kingdom. Well, they didn't have long to wait. Quick as a flash, Jesus said to this guy, he says, truly, Truly, I tell you. Now, stop and think about that, Jason. He is saying this, with absolute confidence, I want you to know for dead sure that you are going to be with me in that forever last empire. Mm. You are going to have a place for me. Now, what did that guy do to get to be part of that? Nothing. Nothing. He just turned to Jesus and said, God, help me. Mm. And Jason, that's the lesson that Jesus wants us to take away from this. Mm. He paints a real picture of where we're headed and what, where the world's at today. But he also says, I've got something better for you. The best is yet to come. This world is not, the life like we have today is, everyone gets it. This is not the best. Because no. at best we get 70 or 80 years. Yep. And it's all over. And, and even those 70 or 80 years for many people aren't that great. <laughs> yeah, well, even kids come into the world and they're born and, they, and, and they've got leukaemia. I mean, yeah. what, what sort yeah. of a world is... We need something better. This is not, this is not our home. This is not our home. And Jesus yeah. said, I've got something better. The best is yet to come. And he said to that guy, he said, because you've put your trust in me, because you've turned to me for help, you are definitely going to be with me in that forever mm. last empire. What a tremendous thing, Jason. Mm. And that's why Jesus gave these signs, so that first of all, if sometimes we're traveling through life as if nothing's going to happen, he would wake us up and say, no, 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 have a look around what's taking place. I predicted all this 2,000 years ago. Something's Something's going to happen. That's my return. And I want you to be part of my forever empire. Fantastic stuff. Mm. It just uh, that that picture of, of Jesus on the cross with the two thieves, um, one responded positively yes. in the end and one didn't. And 
and it just makes me realize that uh, you know as we see the the signs as yes. we see the events as we as we hear the words yes. as we hear people's testimony Every one of us has a choice to make. Yeah, exactly. True, we true. have a choice to make, and we can either choose to ignore it, scoff at it, mm. laugh at it, pretend it's all rubbish, or we can actually uh, think about it and take it seriously. Exactly. Mm. That's the response God wants us to have. And it's a it's a decision that uh, has eternal consequences. Yeah. Well, um, we're out of time, Gary. Let's uh, just remind our listeners that uh, our offer code today, DIG4, the word DIG with the number four on the end, no spaces. If you text that in to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, we will get that uh, resume out to you on today's program, Global Warnings from Jerusalem and Pompeii. Next week, what have you got for us next oh, week, Gary? Oh, fantastic program next week, Jason. We've got a program called Decoding the Da Vinci Code. you remember that book that everybody mm, was reading a few I years do. ago? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to see the implications of what that guy was talking about for you and me today. Okay, looking forward to that. And, of course, tomorrow with Raiko Celic. He's studying the uh, final week of Jesus' ministry, the parable of the wedding feast, tomorrow. So we do hope you can join us then. Uh, wherever you are, where, wherever you're listening today, we just hope that uh, you've really learned something useful for today that you can uh, think about, you can put into practice, or you can uh, do some more research and study on. So we hope you can join us tomorrow and also next week with Gary Webster. This uh, last song is Here He Comes by Melissa Otto. than death, my true one, if I say my fault.